came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah, yeah. Sports show came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah, yeah. Sports show came here to say. Yeah. Yeah. First off, before we get into anything, happy anniversary to the the the, the first couple of the Job Chase Network. Uh, BK Matt and his wife Talia. We love you guys. You know, we love you guys. There's a couple of things that I know for sure, right? Uh, in this world, uh, one is that Tay will always hate Jordan. Two mm-hmm. is that BK Matt and Talia are awesome, and BK Matt's a, a great husband. Awesome taking the day off to to spend his anniversary with his wife. I know a lot of people who be like, I still got to do the podcast. We'll go celebrate later. Three, as a Syracuse grad, Georgetown still sucks. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Matt. I love you. It's your anniversary and all, but Irving's still a bum. Those are the four yeah. things that I know, no matter <laughs> what, in life. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Your Sports Show. I am your host, Big Baby, aka the Soul of R&B. Get it. And <laughs> to my right, we have the Queen, Queen Tay. Hey, everybody! Happy Saturday. Happy, happy Saturday. And to her right, we have the professor, the voice of generation, Pete Rosado. I'm, I'm still waiting for an email from Mike Tanay saying with a cease and desist about using the professor name. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Really, when that happens, I'm going to mark Listen. out because I got an email from Tanay. But, you know, he, he's got uh, rights to the name. But whatever. I've been feeling, you know, Dre, I've been feeling like woes the last two days, man. Bro, I've been feeling like Woj the past two days. Listen, if you look at the page, if you look yeah. at the Instagram page, every time Woj puts it. <laughs> put and it you up. know what's funny, Dre? You and Tay, we were all talking, like, what was it, two weeks ago. And we were yeah. like, man, we're going to have no sports news. Everything's shutting down. Everything's going to get real slow. Tay was like, oh, my God, we might have to talk baseball. We might have. <laughs> I, I talked about the Masters last week. That's how little sports news we, we had. By digging. the way, uh, which, by the way, uh, was won by Dustin Johnson at 20 under. Uh, yes, I know, I know. I forgot to add that inside. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, that's how little news we had. And then the NBA decided to go Operation Warp Speed and just get started immediately. And now we have too much news. <laughs> Man, that was a lot to keep up with. I'm like, some of the stuff, I'm like, I'm not going to post about, like, 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 um, what is um, fuck, what's his name? Like, I'm not gonna post about the little, you know, you know, the sub names, but you know, like the the people that I posted were, were big deals. So, but it's um, funny because the draft, the draft picks usually get like this nice little month to get acclimated and they get celebrated. Like, oh my god, first round draft pick, lottery pick, this guy, news conference. Yo, what was it? Two days after the draft, <laughs> free agency started. Right, two days after draft. Here's your jersey. Um. You're going to be playing on night one. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Right. No G League? No, that's it. Nope, nope, nope. Just play. And you know what? Um, I, I hate this because I feel like Tay is going to love this right now. Mm. I feel like Tay got the greatest ammunition in a double shot this week uh, because now she gets to hate on MJ as an owner for what he did in the draft and what he did in free agency. Oh, man. So this is only going to get better for Tay. Right. So before we start quick, kids, how was y'all week, Tay? How was your week? <laughs> Intense. Intense. Oh, um, had a lot of work. Um, wasn't really feeling um up 
Like I have yeah. a lot. Of, like I've been feeling really like sick recently, but um, not Kobe, but just yeah. just having a little, you know, a little under the weather. But you know, I'm up. I'm ready. This weather change, that's what it is. What? That rapid weather change. I felt it till yesterday. I felt like really my body felt like I got those aches, those those chill aches. Like, and I was just like checking my fever, automatically getting really worried, as you know. But I was like normal body temperature. Everything was good. It was just my bones were hurting. And it's just in my bones. Yeah, it's this rapid temperature change. You know, it was brick this week, and then it got nice yesterday and today. It's supposed to get brick again next week. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's just so crazy. It's crazy. So crazy. Um, quick hits. Yeah. Get right into it. Let's go. Let's go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, quick hits for the week of November 21st. Let's get right into the biggest news of the week. NBA free agency. And just 25 minutes ago, news broke that Gordon Hayward, has signed a four-year, $120 million contract with the Charlotte Hornets. He missed 142 games, including the playoffs, in his three years with the Celtics. Only missed 42 games in his first seven years playing for the Jazz. Mind you, when he did play for the Celtics and was healthy, he averaged 14 points, five and a half rebounds, and almost four assists a game. Interesting wrinkle to this story, ladies and gentlemen. Gordon Hayward almost went to the Charlotte Hornets, Back in 2014, when his first contract ran up, he signed an offer sheet with Charlotte, and Utah matched it, re-signing him to Utah. So kind of coming full circle there for Gordon Hayward. Fred Van Vliet signed a four-year, $85 million deal to stay in Toronto. Rumors have it that in meetings with Toronto, Van Vliet has has said, I've already got my championship, now I'm just looking to cash out. Staying with Toronto, four years, $85 million. Lakers make two big moves this week as free agency started. They signed reigning sixth man of the year, Montrell's Harrell, from the uh, neighboring Clippers. Two years, $20 million. Actually getting the full mid-level exception. Uh, many people saying that he could have gotten more on the open market. Reigning sixth man of the year probably could have gotten near a... $20 million a year deal, uh, but going for two years, $20 million to the Lakers. Wesley Matthews signing with the Lakers, one year, $3.6 million. Uh, in what was an original trade for Drew Holiday and a bevy of draft picks has now turned into a four-team deal that has now moved Steven Adams to New Orleans to join Zion Williamson. Draft picks moving amongst four teams, Drew Holiday moving. But that trade has been reworked so many times over the last couple of days. Wait, hey, Peter, real quick, but guess who got another number one pick, first-round pick? Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> got you. Okay. Go. That, that is 17. That's officially 17 now because we yep. were on the watch for the whole week. Like They're going to get 17. They're going to get 17. So now they have 17 first-round picks in Six years. Very true. Dwight Howard leaving the Lakers to go to Philly in an interesting move, signing a one-year deal to go to the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't even feel right. Interestingly, moments after having tweeted that he was staying with the Lakers and happy to stay in purple and gold, then deleting that tweet and then signing with the Philadelphia 76ers. That sounds like a really Dwight Howard thing to do. And I understand completely why people do not like Dwight Howard because that that is super Dwight right there. Like I understand the move why he went because the Lakers 
you know, with JaVel McGee, AD, the, the, the middle of the court is full. Yeah, like, but they still found room for him, though. You get right. what I mean? Like, he was still yeah. um, integral at yeah. certain points during that finals run of just a couple of months ago, just last month. Right. I agree, but oh, I, he's going to have, I think he's going to have more run at, you know, at center when Embiid sits. Because, you know, they don't have Horford. There's nobody else in the lane. But, you know, Simmons, some, Simmons when he's lobbing it, but, you know, they're not going to play It interesting, the though, to see Dwight Howard being coached by Doc Rivers. Boy. That's going to be a very interesting thing because we know that the big, the big prevailing story on Dwight has always been um, his tenacity and his work ethic. And Doc is not going to let that slide. That much we know. That's going to be the same for Embiid, too. Embiid yes. Simmons. Uh, in what was originally probably the most head-scratching contract of free agency before Gordon Hayward's today, Danilo Gallinari signed a three-year, $61.5 million contract with the Atlanta Hawks in free agency, leaving the Denver Nuggets. I just want to say, though, can we talk about how the Knicks Okay, had... the Thunder. He left the Thunder. Oh, the, the Thunder. thunder. I apologize. Can we talk about how the Knicks have had two foreign-born players that have both flourished since leaving the Knicks in Gallinari and Kristaps Porzingis? You know. They didn't give – I think they didn't give Gallinari a fair enough chance. I no, he got thrown away in the metal trade. Yeah, yeah. Bro. That's why I thought he was with the Nuggets. Uh, <laughs> um, talking about the Knicks – he, yeah, he was with the Nuggets for a little bit, and then he bounced. He bounced to no, no. He stayed with the Nuggets for a while, and then he got traded to OKC. Yeah. Talking about the Knicks, the Knicks missed out on all three of their big rumored free agents targets: Fred VanVleet, Gordon Hayward, and Davis Bertans, the big six foot six Latvian who re-signed mm. with the Washington Wizards. So the Knicks, what did they do after clearing forty million dollars in cap space? They signed swingman Alec Burks out of Utah, one year, $6 million, and trade for Ed Davis. The Knicks going to keep nicking. See, out of those, that's okay because those are not, you know, money eaters. Uh, but we still got a week and a half left, or free, about a week left in free agency. Before everybody, everybody has that pulse on, is Westbrook coming to New York or not, right? Right. Um, speaking of former Knicks, Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine both signed multi-year deals with Milwaukee. Milwaukee has been in the center of a huge trade storm after their sign-in trade went south with, Bog, uh, with Bogdanovich um, <laughs> out of the trade, saying he never agreed to the trade. Uh, funny story, the Lakers apparently have very serious interest in Bogdanovich now that he is entering free agency. Mm. Uh, and in the last big free agent news for the NBA, the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets have re-signed sharpshooter Joe Harris. Four years, $75 million. They said that he was probably the most important thing that they wanted to get done in free agency. And speaking of the Nets, did y'all see the subs that GM Sean Marks was throwing at the Houston Rockets in his press conference this week? Yo, he is basically he basically in so many words says we're not the Knicks. You're not going to make us blow up our team for for right now. And you know what? Again, Sean Marks has learned. He wasn't there when it happened, but Sean Marks learned from what the Nets did with the Garnett Pierce trade. 
Boy. where they blew up their team in the hopes of getting a title in two, three years and then went south real quick. Uh, in other news, Seth Curry traded to the uh, by the Dallas Mavericks to Philly, and now we're just waiting. Austin Rivers opting out of his contract. We're waiting for Austin Rivers to get signed by the Philadelphia 76ers, and then it'd just be a big Rivers family reunion in uh, in Philly. Uh, the big other big news coming out of the NBA overshadowed a bit by the draft and free agency. Warriors forward Clay Thompson will oh, oh. miss the entire 2020-2021 season as he tore his Achilles in his right leg. Remember, his ACL injury was in his left leg last year. Um, funny, I don't want to say funny story, but when they first announced the injury and they mentioned that it was the right leg, the opposite leg, the first thing I thought about was either his other ACL or his Achilles, usually you find that people with ACL injuries or Achilles injuries in one leg overcompensate on the other leg, which can usually lead to quick injuries in the opposite leg. So unfortunately, Clay Thompson will be missing his second straight full season in the NBA. Going into our other sports in the NFL, Jake Scott, the Super Bowl MVP for the perfect 17-0 Miami Dolphins team. Many people may not remember that name. Uh, died at the age of 75 this week. Still the only fully perfect NFL team in existence, the uh, 17-0 Miami Dolphins. The New York Giants fired their offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, after a bit of a dust-up and a yelling match with coach Joe Judge. Immediately got rid of him. Apparently the backstory to this was that Joe Judge hired a consultant for the offensive line who had apparently interviewed for the, as the offensive line coach over the summer did not get hired. They hired Colombo, but uh, they hired this gentleman as a consultant and Colombo felt like he was being undermined and went and approached Joe judge about it led to a bit of a dust up. And now Mark Colombo, no longer the offensive line coach for the giants, Arizona Cardinals, no tackle Corey Peters will be missing the season with a knee injury. And in big news out of the NFL, apparently, with Drew Brees going on injured reserve, the New Orleans Saints have decided to start Taysom Hill as their starting quarterback over five-year starter Jameis Winston. So I have to cut you off right there, and that was a correction I was supposed to send to you. So apparently on SportsCenter last night, um, the coach of the Saints, uh, his name is slipping my mind right now. Sean but, Payton. Uh, yeah, Sean Payton. He said that I never said that. I never said um, Hill was starting. I never said Bridgewater was starting. I just said I'm not Bridgewater. You know, Winston. Was it Winston? Mr. Crab uh, Legs. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Crab Legs. Um, they never said uh, he. He's not. A, never said neither of them were starting. So he just said we're gonna have a starter out there. I haven't announced it yet. Well, every big media outlet has run with Taysom Hill being the starter. And uh, in one of the most hilarious uh, clips of the week, if you didn't see Stephen A. Smith going off on this decision by the New Orleans Saints, um, it was a hilarious one to watch, uh, of course. In, uh, in NCAA football, more cancellations this weekend in NCAA games uh, due to COVID-19. And legendary college football coach and ESPN analyst, Lou Holtz uh, tested positive for coronavirus. He's 83, super at-risk age for COVID-19, sending all of our best wishes to the Holtz family uh, for the continued um, wellness of coach, legendary coach Lou Holtz. In some quick baseball news, Milwaukee Brewers promote Matt Arnold to be their GM for the year. The Chicago Cubs uh, 
Theo Epstein has stepped down as the president of baseball operations. He will be succeeded by Jed Hoyer, who was an assistant GM with him in Boston, started in San Diego for a while. So Theo Epstein out in Chicago. There are rumors that he will be uh, courted by a couple of other teams, with Theo looking probably to get out of baseball right mm-hmm. now. But, you know, the man brought a title to Boston Red Sox. The man bought a title to the Chicago Cubs. The man will have, I think, a Hall of Fame legacy in the game of baseball, regardless of if he comes back or not. And finally, the Yankees, uh, Aroldis Chapman, had his suspension uh, for next season reduced to two games after his appeal got um, okayed. We're still waiting on baseball free agency to start the winter meetings right around the corner. But the... You know, right now the Mets, a lot of moves from the Mets. Steve Cohen and that and that group over there. Um, Robinson Cano uh, for the Mets tested positive for Stanzanol, a second straight PED bust. He is suspended for the entire season. Uh, the Mets were trying to void his contract um, and get out from under that money. Um, funny thing about it is, right after the report came out, Steve Cohen tweeted a bunch of happy face emojis. So, very interesting sub there. For the new owner of the Met. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Quick Hits for the week of November 21st. Very good. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. We have um, a lot of news this week, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. The past two, like like I said, we were digging, trying to find stuff. But we spoke free... about the masses. Yeah. We <laughs> spoke about the masses last week. But, um, yeah, with free agency running wild, um, the draft was was something special this week. Um, I don't think it was as bad as we originally thought because I really had to go back and really look at these players' contribution, even though they didn't have a tournament, and then seeing that the t- the teams that these players went through. Went I think to. It's interesting though. This was the first year that I could honestly say I did not know a majority mm-hmm. of the players in the draft, or I felt like I didn't know them because mm-hmm. I felt like I haven't seen college basketball in a very long time. Right. Yeah, like I knew a lot of them because I watched them in high school, and uh, and and you know, what oh, am so I? You're I the know. reason why ESPN got to play high school stuff because you watching it over here, and I gotta watch, <laughs> I gotta watch twelve year olds over here dunking. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, too. Some of these guys played out here, so I got to see them play against you know team that I used to play for when I was younger. And so uh, and and I've seen them play in high school games. Like I said, I like watching the development of players. So but as we speak about that, um what was your biggest takeaways from the NBA draft? Tam start with you. Some teams are gonna look really good next year or in the next what month or so. Right. And some teams are going to look really trashy. I think that the um the Dwight Howard to Philly thing, I don't think it's going to be a good fit. I think it's going to – I feel like where Dwight is in his career, mm-hmm. I don't see him being that voice or that veteran of reason to kind of bring that team balance to – you know, the Embiid's and the, you know, and the Simmons and such. I, I think that it's just going to be another distraction. Mm. Um, I feel like the Knicks are going to keep nicking. Every day we we go deeper into the draft, the Nets are looking more and more scary. On the East yeah. Conference. Yeah. And um, Michael Jordan, man. 
I'm talk, just waiting. Talk about I'm, it. Talk about I'm just him waiting for the up. for the game. I'm waiting for the one on one now. Talk about him picking up Lamelo Ball in at, at number three, and then signing Gordon Hayward to a, a ridiculous twenty million dollar contract. I think that the the Gordon Hayward contract was a real bonehead move. But mm-hmm. I want to kind of give some shouts shout outs to the Bell family, right? Ball. The Bull family. Mm-hmm. Um. People always kind of give Archie Mannings and the Mannings their flowers of how they were able to kind of infiltrate into the NFL. But with the with the Bulls, you see a lot of people kind of joking on them and stuff like that. And their kids can really play. So I can kind of see Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Um I can kind of see why that was a good pickup at number three. I think that's going to be a good steal. Gordon Hayward, I, I mean, I feel like that's such a bonehead move. I don't think that he needs that much money. I feel like with the amount of games that he's missed, you get what I'm saying? Like, his stock is not worth that amount of bread. For how many years? Uh, for the Gordon Hayward deal, I believe it was four years, $120 million. Oof. Well, uh, relatively about $30 million a year. That's painful. I hope he has a. I hope. Yeah. Hope he has a um, on that because right insurance and option. Well, every they have every team has player insurance, but I think I hope he has an option. Insurance as far as don't mansplain me. Insurance as far as having options to kind of liquidate that contract in the in the in the end that things don't go the way they're supposed to. No, I was agreeing with you. I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I wasn't turning it. No, <laughs> I was agreeing with you. <laughs> Um, whack. to me, and I, and I, I want to touch on something that, that Tay said about the Knicks, right? They seem to be allergic to point guards, right? They seem to be allergic to point guards. We, you know, we were talking about the Knicks probably getting Tyrese Halliburton, who, uh, who ended up going to the Kings. And I think that's going to be a great, uh, one, two guard, uh, set up with Deandre Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Right, that's going to be uh, sorry, De'Aaron Fox, not DeAndre. Uh, De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton, I think, are going to make a very good team out there. Um, and you know, Dre, you were clowning me for it. Listen, I'm not anti Obi Toppin, but Denny Avdia is a beast. Mm-hmm. The kid out of Israel that the Wizards selected with the ninth pick right after the Knicks, that boy is nasty. We are talking, you know, six foot, I believe six, six or six, nine, uh, six, nine, small forward, right? Kid's only 19 years old, right? The kid can really grow with the Knicks, um, you know, and the way he can shoot, the way he can move, the way he can play. Listen, here's my thing. I see OB topping and I hope he proves me wrong, but I see Blake Griffin. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I see Blake and Blake for all intents and purposes, good, great player, great dunker, right? But not really a great complete player, right? The Clippers had to move away from that, from, from that Blake Griffin era. And I look at Obi Toppin. I really hope that his game expands. I really have a lot of faith in faith in Tom Thibodeau to hopefully expand that game of his and his defensive prowess. But I see Blake Griffin. And, you know, when they – and think about who they were referring him to. They're saying he plays a lot like Amari Stoudemire. And to quote Dusty Rhodes, who'd he ever be? Right? 
who you know, don't see what, look. what title <laughs> don't do that don't do that what title don't do that bro smoke today i see right don't do that bro. listen i'm an amari start of my i'm an amari fan i'm not saying amari wasn't good i'm not saying amari wasn't a great player but mm-hmm. Amare Stoudemire was not the centerpiece for a team that went to a title. He did not win a championship. The man could not get out of the Western Conference Finals, and he probably had one of the most loaded athletic teams in the Western Conference that were not the early 2000 Kings. I mean, the two teams in the West that I feel always got a raw deal mm-hmm. were the early 2000 Kings with the Bibbies and the Weber, Stojakovic and Turgoglu, right? Mm-hmm. And Vlade Divac, probably one of the best starting fives to never win a championship. They were okay. cheated. Right, they were. They were <laughs> cheated. I um, mean, you know, let's, let's not re uh, rehash history here, but there was a right. that, that uh, kind of prohibited them from going any further. The Lakers, right. there's no, there's no um, disputing that the Lakers were trying to win in that series. Right, and then you have, and then you have, you know, for everything that's talking about the fact that they never played defense, they they didn't really, you know, have a closeout star. We can't deny that what they built in Phoenix at that time with Stoudemire and Marion and Steve Nash and Leandro Barbosa and all those players. Funny enough, though, Tay, it ended up being the blueprint for what a lot of teams are doing nowadays, right? You got that stretch three, right? You got Marion Marion at the time getting a guy like Sean Marion, your power forward, to stretch out and shoot threes like that was not something that was seen a lot in the NBA at that time. Now every power forward and center is out here shooting threes, right? Yeah. You know, so Mike Dan and Tony, but that's the Mike Dan and Tony factor. Yeah, I mean, that's a European lost, game. They lost to the Spurs, right, which, mm-hmm. were, which was an amazing, amazing, amazing team at the time. Yes. So at the end of the day, I feel like they were built to go deep I felt that they did go as far as their talents allowed them to go. Um, I think their talents could have gotten them further than their coaching did. I think that was a big problem with the Phoenix Suns around that time because I was watching heavy. I was rooting for Phoenix at that time because I was a fan of the Amari-Steve Nash uh, tandem with their supporting players. But I feel like there was no – there is no way, shape, or form that a Dan and Tony team is going to be the pop team. Oh, no, definitely. That, the, the fundamental. Yeah, that's what it, and yeah. I think that's what it was. And I get what you mean. Oh, he didn't beat anybody in this and the third. But that run and gun style of, of basketball does not win championships. And I feel that if they would have had the better, a better, not, I don't want to say a better coach because I don't want to. Y'all hearing this, Houston? Y'all hearing this? The run and gun does not win championships. The run and gun does not win championships. Defense wins championships. A solid five wins championships. You get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like in the Spurs, you didn't have one superstar, really. You had three or four superstars. You had three or four above average, A minus style players who became an A plus team on the court. Right. And you always had at least one A plus guy with, with Duncan or, or Robinson yeah, anchoring those teams. The thing is with them. They they didn't have to be A plus every night because if, right. if Duncan wasn't A plus on in game one, you had um, Manu being A plus game two and three. You get what I'm saying? Or Tony Parker, three, four, five. even that young Kawhi Leonard. You know, we got to see guys like Bruce Bowen playing tenacious defense. You know, you're right. right. I mean, those teams fundamentally, fundamentally top to bottom. Yeah, fantastic. I agree. Yeah, but getting back to this draft, my last thing. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to say about this Michael Jordan Gordon Hayward thing, right? The biggest <laughs> winner of the NBA draft this in the free agency was Gordon Hayward. Because who else is going to spend that amount of astronomical money? The Knicks. For go- besides the Knicks, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The Knicks would have done that. The, the Knicks would have spent the 40. $200 million. The Knicks yeah. would have spent the 40. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> they they would have outbid him. I agree. Yeah. I, and you know, listen, 14, 15 games at most. I think, you know, to me, who was the biggest winner of the draft, though, Tay and, and, and Dre? Gordon Hayward. No, not, <laughs> not, not, not just Gordon Hayward with free agency, but the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Getting James Wiseman with the number two pick. How many times, yeah. you know, people forget. You know, people forget, you know, people watch who watched the, the Warriors last year and saw how bad they were last year, right? Forget that this was a team that was in three straight NBA finals. Yeah. They forget that this team was literally waiting for Curry and Clay to come back this year to make another deep run. And I think if Curry and Clay had come back fully healthy, you know, you would have had another deep run by the Warriors. Now, obviously, Clay going out, the, the Warriors real quick. You know, another one of those OKC first round picks made a swap with OKC for Kelly Oubre Jr., right? Or at least they're they're working on that. I believe it hasn't been set in yeah. stone yet. But you get seven foot James Wiseman, okay? Probably a guy who could have been the number one pick, right? Could have easily have been the number one pick in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get him as a perennial playoff team. How many times do we see perennial playoff teams picking first, second, or third in a draft? Right. So this was, I think, a very big pickup that went under the radar for a lot of people because people looking at OB, people are looking at LaMelo, people looking at Anthony Edwards going to uh, Minnesota, you know, and other and other people that were picked up. But to me, James Wiseman and what the Warriors were able to do with that number two pick uh, really went a little unheralded. And literally, I think between Wiseman and if they get Kelly Oubre Jr. could almost help outweigh the loss of clay i mean you're never gonna be clay thompson mm-hmm. um my, my, really quickly before we move on my last thought on clay i just want to say this what i love most about clay and this injury i'm not as worried as a lot of people and here's why most people who have these type of injuries have to learn how to be shooters afterwards because they lose their athleticism, they lose their explosiveness. Clay was probably already one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous shooters in the NBA before this injury. So while Clay may lose some of his defensive explosiveness, while he may lose some of his rim running, while he may lose some of that, I think Clay Thompson, if he can come back healthy, will still be one of the most dangerous players in the NBA because no one pre-injury showed me they could stop him from shooting the ball the way he shot the ball. But do you see him coming back to the Golden State Warriors? I think they may trade his ass. I don't think so. You know what? They stood by Steph Curry. They did not trade Steph Curry. And remember, Curry, when he got drafted, when he got drafted, what, was three years straight injuries to his feet? You know, people thought, you know, Steph was going to be one of the biggest one of the biggest busts in the NBA, and then Steph turned out to be one of the top five players that we have in the NBA right now, right? Um, The one thing I like about Golden State is they show loyalty to their players. The way they showed loyalty to Steph when they could have easily have given up on Steph Curry. And you know, Tay, probably 90% of teams in the NBA would have given up on Steph after what happened his first three years after being drafted. Um, Yeah, glass angels. 
yeah, I think they'll I think they'll stick by Clay and at least see what can what can do. They 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 owe a lot to Clay, Draymond, and Steph. And in my opinion, I think Clay and Steph. <laughs> okay. Draymond cost him a title. Andre, <laughs> Draymond cost him a title. Andre Iguodala. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and you know, Kevin Durant you, that one. But Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. You know, and, and you know what's funny is I you know, we sit here, we look at these Golden State Warriors, man. And I remember the days of the Baron Davis Golden State Warriors being the first number eight seed, right? To upseed, you know, a number one. You know, I think back to the old bat, the old days of the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I've never started the Golden State Warriors. When you think about TMC, yeah, you know, you know, I'm really glad that the Warriors are finally getting their their comeuppance in terms of like getting this run, because they've always been even more so than the Clippers. I think the Warriors were always the forgotten team in California. You know what's funny about the the the, uh, the Warriors? You remember when they had run TMC? Uh, and that year, I believe Mullen was injured. And I think that's the year they got Weber, right? The, the year they drafted Weber, they've made some pretty fugazi moves too, if you think about it, because they could have ran it up with Run TMC and Chris Weber, and possibly made a run at at something. But uh, again, that people don't talk about that enough. Um, like I said, the mix-ups with. Um, when they had Monte Ellis and Steph Curry at the same time, not knowing what to do with them. Um, at one point in time, not having a center on the team <laughs> during the We Believe time, having like uh, as, as Doogie play or Steven Jackson guard guard Yao Ming. Yeah. Stuff, um, stuff like that. I think the um, – but even fast forward and now, I think the Warriors, if this Kelly Oubre deal goes through – um, they'll be in good shape. They won't be championship contenders, but they'll c- probably mess up somebody's playoff run for sure. Oh yeah, I think yeah, and a little under the, it puts them ahead of the Trailblazers. This is true. I think a little yes. under under the radar story that uh, did not get picked up uh, for the NBA draft, and this is the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that I find and I love. Right, mm-hmm. uh, total of eight players were picked in the NBA draft uh, of Nigerian heritage. This year, eight players in the, in the draft this year of Nigerian heritage. We talk about the NBA being the quintessential black league, um, but really talking about, you know, African talent. Uh, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the, the development that the NBA has helped do in Africa and uh, in, in trying to do a lot of community work and really help, you know, build a lot of uh, programs out there. Um, People forget how big the NBA does in terms of community stuff with the world. You know, uh, how big the NBA blew up in Asia, how big the NBA blew up, has blowing up in Africa. Uh, really great. Um, so eight Nigerian-born players picked in this year's NBA draft. Really cool under-the-radar uh, under story here. Most definitely. Um, just, again, literally the last stuff for this. Just a few names I'm going to like like have to look out for that got drafted. Um, of course, I said Obi Top, uh, Obi Top, topping to the Knicks. They just need a point guard, and he'll be fine. Him and um, and um, Robinson in in the front court is, in the back court is, is going to be something else. Um, Cole Anthony to Orlando. Um, they have a bit of a point guard jam, but I think Cole Anthony, Anthony, uh, yeah, he's a better version of his father, um, Greg Anthony. So um, watch out for that. 
Greg Anthony was a solid player. I mean, you might, you guys yeah. may not have really remembered seeing him during his Nick years, but um, there were many nights that he bailed out uh, John Stocks in them and Doc Rivers too. The man looked yeah. fifty-seven when I he was playing with the Knicks. No, no, no. I I agree because I I don't I see I I'm wasn't old enough to watch it live, but watching back, like like I said, Greg Anthony was nice. Uh, yeah. You watch it with a 2010-2000 bias because the talent has superseded the solid right. team. But when you look at the t- – like, I always try to look at it from a retro point of view, remembering mm-hmm. where I was at that time. He was definitely an above-average player. Yeah. And Trey Jones, um, he was the point guard on that Duke team that had Zion Williamson, um, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett. Um, he's going to the Spurs. He's going to a place where the culture is like Duke, and and he gets to be in a system where he's able to learn from veterans around the team and pop just to teach them the right way. So definitely um, keep an eye out on him. So let's jump into the NFL, right? So the NFL is starting today. Is buffering up their COVID rules. Finally, uh, finally, twelve weeks into the season, because we've been asking about this, them to do this for a while. The season's almost halfway over. Right, right, right. Over halfway so, over. So what they are doing? They're saying um, everyone has to have a certain amount of um, COVID. Um, I apologize. Here it is, right? NFL is placing all teams in intensive protocol starting today to mitigate the risk of COVID-19, right? The use of masks will be mandatory at all times in team facilities, including during practice and weight rooms. Meetings must be held either virtually or in the largest indoor space possible with approval by the league. Meals have to be made available for grab and go to avoid players and staff congregating in cafeterias. Time spent in locker room has to be limited. Clubs operating under their intensive protocols have reduced close contacts by more than 50% since the fifth week of the regular season, according to the memo obtained by the Associated Press. Um, they're basically trying to, to condense everything because of the holidays, right? And, you know, since everybody's going to be around their family for the holidays and everybody's going to be around each other for the holidays, um, the biggest thing is, is this. How do you control, like, like players doing what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do? Because when you come back from this break, even teams that's, excuse me, that's not playing on Thursday, do you tell players, no, you can't go home. You spend the Thanksgiving here. Like, do you, how do you really, really control it? And why did they wait so long to do it now? Pete, I'm going to start with you with this. Yeah. You know, they, listen, the NBA did it best. The mm-hmm. NBA did it best with the bubble. Um, you know, even Major League Baseball kind of did it well with having limited travel, really creating too many bubbles uh, and things like that. So, you know, the NFL, the biggest problem always was you play once a week 
and you let these guys go home. You let them do what they want to do, right? And unfortunately with pro athletes, listen, we see it with regular people, okay? But now you're talking about a pro athlete with pro athlete money, right? They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to still go to the club. They're going to still do this. They're going to still do that. Right. We, we, we keep seeing businesses having to be unfortunately shut down. You know, we have New Jersey who yesterday uh, had an executive order that is now limiting, you know, events. You know, there were there were two professional wrestling events that were supposed to happen today. Uh, one in today, one tomorrow in New Jersey. The one for today had to be canceled, unfortunately, due to like the last minute executive order. We're talking about New York may go back into code orange, you know, uh, next week, you know, and. It's tough. The NFL should have, in my opinion, done a bubble, you know, of some sort, maybe done multiple bubbles where they had conferences in a bubble, did all your in-conference games first, and then swapped the teams that needed to swap. Because we know that there's always, you know, you're talking about you play each team in your conf- in your division twice. Right. So that right there is what 12 is uh, six games. Right. Six to 12, six to eight games, depending on how many teams are in your division. Right. Then you play uh, alternating division in the other conference, you know, and then you have your rivalry games within your own conference. Mm -hmm. You could have easily have done all the conference games in one bubble and then swapped it. And said, okay, now we're just going to take the divisions that need to, you know, the interconference teams that need to swap, and you're going to go to the other bubble and play the teams you need to play. And it, it's kind of terrible, again, because you play only once a week. So now you're telling guys to stay, to stay in one spot for six days without doing anything. The NFL has always had it tough. They were always going to have it the toughest because of their schedule. The fact that they waited this long is a problem. I feel like every week I'm reading stories about a team placing four, five, six players on the COVID list, right? Um, and it's just like it's we're already seeing the effect it's having the NCAA. Already. And these are college kids who are on campus. And these teams, these NCAA games are only like five, six games in. The NFL is – Close to double digit games. The Pac 12, the Pac 12 has only played three games. This is their third week. The Pac 12, this is only their third week. You know, when, and, uh, you know, Tay's reaction last week during Quick Kids, when we found out when I announced that the Alabama LSU game was being postponed, like, that's a big money game for college football. You know, you know damn well they probably would have been like, no, under any sort, we're playing this game. Yeah. You know, the fact that they had to postpone that game meant something. And the fact that the NFL, you know, listen, I'm glad that the NFL has not had any serious cases. I'm glad that no one in the NFL has gotten seriously sick. Thankfully, no one has gotten, there's been no fatalities in the NFL. Okay. But you've got a team of what? The roster's what? 50-something? Easily? Plus practice squad? Plus coaches? Plus, you know, team personnel? It's way too hard to have a hundred people do this. Uh, and again, it, it really is faulty because again, they're playing once a week, better late than never. Congratulations, NFL. But once again, you know, the deafness of the NFL to wait until the last possible minute to do this. hundred percent agree. Tay, what are you, what are, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I'm going to echo Peter. Mm-hmm. 
on a lot of these points that he brought up were a lot of points that I had as well. I mean, I feel as if they needed to be some type of preseason protocols in place because as you say as you've seen and as we've heard and as we've reported, there have been weeks like I think the Giants have an outbreak of COVID this week. You get what I'm saying? I think it's their turn. And then it's hard to do contact tracing when you allow people to go home and allow people to travel, do what they want to do when they're not in the facilities. And these teams are huge teams. As you say, you know, these practice squad teams are big. And I feel like, yeah, better late than never. But this is the only, I feel, professional sport that is allowing fans in the stands while they have no real COVID-19 protocol. Now, granted, we're hearing a lot of news about a vaccine coming, but that's not like anytime soon. That doesn't have any to do. I think the first real event that'll be measured by the effectiveness of the vaccine will be maybe WrestleMania. If I'm not yes, it, it'd probably be WrestleMania in, in, in Tampa. Right. And because that's a hot spot too. Like, yeah. Florida has been a hot. I think they've they've they're almost at one million cases by themselves. Um, as of this morning, it's been the U.S. is nearing twelve million cases of the coronavirus, with over two hundred and fifty-five thousand fatalities. Now, granted, as you said, Peter, as well, you know, we're, we're we've we've thankfully heard that there hasn't been any severe cases with NFL players, right? But what about their families? Yeah. What about the people that they've been coming in contact with? So it's like, at the end of the day, as we've known, they weren't going to shut the season down. We knew this. You know, but I feel as if, what, what, what week are we in, 10? 9? 10. Yeah. We're in week 10. It's, you have like, what, five more games? Six more games, maybe? Yeah, six to seven more games, because they go like 17 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, like sixteen, seven, like six or seven more games, depending on the team. You get what I'm saying, and then the playoffs. So it's like they politicized it, and now they're they're paying the benefit. Now that they're they're reaping what they sowed. Yeah, they they um, I just don't think the the NFL went about it the wrong way. I honestly think the NFL went about it the wrong way. I was saying this. Earlier on, uh, on an early edition of After the Year on Instagram, that um, they need to have something in place. Yeah, and I was the one who said that they had the biggest head start of any other league. Right, mm-hmm. right. Hockey came back fast. Baseball came back fast. NBA Hockey came back. Hockey did it good. NBA mm-hmm. did it better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. MLB, the beginning of the, the NLB season, the training team had their pro- they were a little rocky, but they got it together. Now at the end of the day, like I said, they had it what six month like a six month head start on COVID. So at yeah. the end of the day, you could have made proper protocols, even if you did not want to have the logistical nightmare of trying to have over a hundred, maybe three hundred people traveling each week. When you think of coaching staff practice squads, teams, first, second, and third string. You're, you're thinking about personnel for maybe 250 to 300 people per game. 
And the NFL playing in the winter months, we always know the NFL has the winter sport. You know, obviously the Super Bowl is usually in February, late January, early February. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so obviously the, M- the NFL season finished, like Tay said, right before COVID really exploded in the United States. Right. About um, eight months. Yeah. And so, you know, you could have easily have done a truncated season, right? You could have easily yeah. done a shortened season. You could have easily have said, listen, we're going to try and wrap things up by December. Okay, so that we're not playing anywhere. Do all that, right? They didn't even need to shorten any. They had because the thing is, they had the head start. Yeah, they had a chance to see how the MLB did it. They had a chance to see how the NBA did it. They had a chance to see how hockey did it. They had a chance to see how MMA did it. They had a chance to see how WWE did it. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, you know, you have all these case studies that you could have. Taken and use it to your advantage. You cannot act like the fans are the problem. Right. And right. then and then that's another thing. You know, you had teams in the NFL who were letting fans in the building. They're like, oh, well, we can do 25%. Let's do 25%. Screw it. Let's get whatever we can in here. Right. And 25% is like 15,000. Right. The thing, the, the, the thing is, I don't know if it's. I feel grateful that they're able to have fans and you have not heard of any significant outbreaks where the fans were. Right. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. So now that lets me know that there that that case, if I'm a league owner, if I work in the sports world and in that mm-hmm. corporate thing, it gives me the idea that hmm, maybe the next season of my sport, I can have it with maybe a 10% capacity. Maybe excellent, mm-hmm. you know, but that's that's a besides the point. Right. But the, the major point is, this is careless. You know, it's it's, it's funny. Extremely uh, careless. I mean, I, I may have the numbers wrong in terms of time, but I believe I heard this week the rise to the first million cases of COVID in the United States took, I think, about at least a month or two to go from zero to a million. Mm-hmm. The rise over the last week. We hit a million cases. We went from 3 million, I think, to 4 million in the span of four days, five days, mm-hmm. over the last week. Right? And you see where the, the, where the outbreaks are getting bad. Is It's getting bad in those rural states that don't have mask mandates, that not, not all of them have um, NFL teams either. Right, but but a lot of them don't have the mandates, the social distancing, the social distancing mandates, and then even a player's wife, I think it was Baker Mayfield's wife, caught real heat on um, TMZ for saying like this is like prison or or this feels like some type of slavery or something like that. Yeah, tell a prisoner or a slave, listen, tell what a black you person, know, what that you can live. Like. This is the life you can live, and, and you don't have to be in prison or be enslaved. I guarantee you, they will they will follow the rules and take that life in a second. Yeah. If, so. if wearing this protects you and you, your families. Why is it? I don't get what the she don't have to run miles or run game, you know, run plays. The NFL, it's irrational, irrational and irresponsible. Like I said, they could have made some type of specialty. They had specialty masks that people wear for fitness. Yep. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? They could have won that. They wear gloves during the game, during the timeouts. They could have sanitized their hands. Something. 
They they've had nothing. And you know the problem is the NFL is very hard headed. They want to do things the way they want to. Oh, this is how we've always done it. This is this and this is that. You know how many times did we see John Gruden and coaches on the sidelines with taking their mask down, not having their mask on at all, right? right. Teams having to get fined. I mean, listen, they made fun of it. They made a meme out of it. But if Andy Reid could coach an entire game wearing the big foggy face shield, you can mm-hmm. wear a mask. And, and like what I said, Clint Frazier, Clint Frazier played this season. If you don't know who Clint Frazier is, outfielder for New York Yankees, ladies and gentlemen, okay, mm-hmm. would you would see pictures of him in batting practice, full on bandito mask. On his face. He would be playing in the outfield with his mask on. Now, if you've never played baseball, you are way more than six feet away from the nearest outfielder when you're outside at your position. Okay? And he's still out there wearing the mask. No fans in the stadium. No nothing. So if, if he can play the outfield and play the sport of baseball wearing his mask, there is no reason why no one in the NFL cannot or should not be doing it. This is not a problem of freedoms being taken away. Mm-hmm. This is privileges that we just can't have right now because we're trying to stop something from happening, right? So save your money. Save your millions of dollars. You don't need to go to the strip club right now. You don't need to go and have a backyard pool party at your house right now. You don't need to do these things, right? I get it. People are like, oh, time is precious, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but your life is precious. And if somebody, you know, how guilty you would feel uh, I read a story about a couple about a month or two ago that there was a wedding up in the Northeast, I think up in like Maine or Rhode Island or something like that, mm-hmm. where like 60% of the guests ended up contracting COVID-19 from the wedding. Two people died, and it was two people that weren't even at the wedding. They were family of people who went to the wedding who then had contact with the people who were at the wedding, contracted COVID, and then passed away. So you're telling me, you know, like it's it's come on. You're a multi-billion dollar league. Mm-hmm. Like here's here's our thing. Like like we're not saying telling people to not enjoy themselves, but just like anything, be responsible. Wear a mask. Like you know, we're having a viewing party on Sunday. Our last view, all of our viewing parties that we've had in the COVID era. Everybody, if you see pictures of it, we don't put post many pictures of it up. But if you're in there, everybody's wearing a mask. Everyone's wearing a mask. Like, I don't care how long I've known you, my mask is on when I'm not eating. And it, it's we have to be safe. And the NFL, at the end of the day, I said this at the beginning of the season. I'm saying now, it's a cash grab. They could have did this a long time ago and, and and kind of fixed the protocols, especially like they could have did this a couple of weeks ago when the whole um, offensive line of the Raiders tested positive for COVID. Like the whole offensive line. Listen, you got enough money that they're doing rapid testing three times, four times a week. Right. right? Think about it. That whole line, like you said, got put on got put on the COVID list, but then that whole line got activated the Saturday right before the game and played in the game. So that means they were able to get three tests within a span of six days, all of them pat, processed and passed in order for that offensive line to get cleared. You got enough money for that. You got enough money to put together, like Tay said, specialty masks, mask mandates, and do what you need to do. Right. Agreed, agreed. Just some lighter news. This weekend, 
on a lighter note. <laughs> right, on a way lighter note. Survivor Series is this weekend. Before we get into that, I want to kind of do a cheap plug. Yesterday, I had a really, I joined a special episode of The Big Four, uh, which is another show under the Jabba Tears um, podcast network. So um, Janelle and I went into a really in-depth conversation about um, 30 Years of Undertaker, um, Mm -hmm. our experiences, and um, I think it'll be a good listen. So I think it drops today. Yes, it definitely does drop today. It did drop today, so um, today it is it is um, Saturday. So yes, I love shout out shout out to um, Janelle from HR. She was everywhere this week. She did a whole bunch from from um, Raw Talk with uh, with with Mike and Katie at the studio to the Zone Talk with her and Amanda to Java Tears podcast with, with her Black and Wilkins to the Big Four. With, with with T, yo, one of the hardest working women um, out there. I just want to say though, with Survivor Series coming up, I think it's yeah. uh, necessary that we let the world know. Uh huh. I'm the captain. Mm-hmm. I'm the captain of this team. Oh, All right. Boy. Everybody's claiming cap captain of what team? I'm the captain. <laughs> I'm the captain of the your your sports show Survivor Series team. I'm the captain of the team. Um, you know, this is what we're gonna do. Uh, me, AJ Styles, and Bailey have just had we had a, we had a meeting, the captain's uh-huh. meeting. Yes. Okay. And uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You. Everybody's you, the captain is right. Me. So I guess. Yeah. So as captain, that means you get jumped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's what that's what it means. Like like I said. I don't mind defending my spot as captain, but if right. you wanna if you wanna like I said, if you wanna take it, you just gotta so I'll come at in. you like I'll come at you like the Mrs. Father. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. But um uh we'll get into the review later on, but let's let's talk about Survivor Series teams, right? I gave y'all a task and I want to know who is like if you had to pick five you not including yourself as a as a performer, but you can include yourself as a manager. You you're a manager. You have a team. Let's say like the Heenan family or the Dangerous Alliance. You got to pick five people for your Survivor Series team. Tay, who are your five that you're picking? And just to just to uh, spice things up, this is a mixed. Tag team. No, I have, five men, I have five men. You five have five women. men, five men, five women. Oh, and perfect. is this is this? Hold on, is this all time? Is this all all companies? Anybody? Any, we don't just anyone, have anyone, anybody, anybody, anybody. I'm just keeping mine to wrestling because you know, no, 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 no. We're not, not going to say we're going to have LeBron James on the team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, I'm picking Karl Malone and Dennis Rodman. Well, they were they, hey, they were wrestlers. They were wrestlers. They count. So, um, for my mm-hmm. top, my five men, mm-hmm. um, it'll be Randy Orton, who's I think he is the um has the most soul survivors. Uh, he's been yes. the soul survivor the most time in history. Mm-hmm. Um, Undertaker, of course. Um, The Rock, mm-hmm. Stone Cold, mm-hmm. and Brian Pillman. Hmm. And for women, yes, um, Charlotte Flair, Nikki Bella, um, Awesome Kong, 
Yeah. Um, Luna Vachon. Yes. And uh, Sensational Sherry. Ooh, you got some monsters on your team. You're going to be out there talking the most. Everybody. Especially <laughs> my women's team. Nobody's not messing with my women's team. Yeah, your women's team is kind of, your women's team is type solid. Though. <laughs> I ain't going to yeah. lie to you. <laughs> um, Pete, who's your five? So, you know, one of my favorite Survivor Series team is actually, um, you know, an actual Survivor Series team. The Legion mm-hmm. of Doom, Ultimate Warrior, Kerry Von Eric. That was um, a good one. That was a, yeah. one of the probably one of the great gimmicks and run in the WWE's notwithstanding. If you yeah. tell me I got the Ultimate Warrior, the Legion of Doom, and Kerry Von Eric, I'm just like, oh, crap. okay, <laughs> right? Von Eric. Let me tell you something. That, that Texas tornado was a big deal back in like 1991. I really thought that he was, you know, I was a little girl, but I really loved the Texas tornado gimmick. I was so sad when I found out that he committed suicide. Yeah, so sad. So it was it was a little tough for me, right? Because it was like, okay, do I go? Do I go old school? Do I go new school? How many do I pick from other companies? Because you know, I would really you know think about kind of mixing and matching um, some stuff. And so I I decided to go a little bit of a. Um, I would go. So I'm gonna take Flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna take Flair. I'm gonna take Kurt Henning. Um, because I'm also going to take Randy Orton. Okay. Yeah. Like right there, you have three incredible performers. I'm going to, I'm going to take, uh, HBK, Shawn Michaels. Um, and then the, the last one was a little bit of a hard one for me. And I was going to go a little bit off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Minoru Suzuki. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. The match is not even going to start. <laughs> yeah. I have an honorable mention for Kurt Angle. Yes, definitely. You know, I but Kurt, I feel Kurt like my honorable too. Kurt Henning is going to be able to out-wrestle almost anybody you have in that ring, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Flair, um, Flair is just going to be Flair. Probably one of the, you know, the dirtiest player in the game for a reason. Um, Randy Orton, probably one of the most technically gifted athletes we have uh, of the last 20 years right um and literally i mean i hate that it's it's branded but it's not wrong rko literally out of nowhere um you know you give me someone like hbk who we have seen in so many wars will not give up and will not drop and another one who will hit the super kick out of anywhere right mm-hmm. hit that sweet chin music out of anywhere i think that was the finisher Right. Yeah, I do too. And then we talk about this a couple like a month like a couple months back. I'm like, damn, the super kick is just not not the same anymore. <laughs> and then as you as you saw with Dre's reaction, you put Minoru Suzuki on that team. The man's just gonna bulldoze through everyone and, and beat the crap out of literally you could put the big show in the ring with Suzuki and Suzuki just be like beat the hell out of the big show. Right. Um the women's team for me was a little tougher. And I had a little bit more spice to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. I want Tessa Blanchard. Yeah. Um, I want Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, I said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, to counter Amazing Kong and Luna Vachon, uh, give me Aja Kong. 
Okay. Uh, all right. Let, let's Light let's go with Aja. And, that, and that's kind of like my my Minoru Suzuki pick. Just go beat the crap. She not she not messing with Luna. Her and Luna will have a war that gets both of them disqualified. Right. Luna was a tough broad. No, she was. I'm not denying that. There's not too many women that you call a broad. Luna Vachon was a broad, and I mean that in a good way. Oh, yeah. And for my fifth pick, again, I'm going pure aggression. Give me jazz. Give me jazz. Um, I feel like if you want to go knock out, drag out, fight, between Aja Kong and Jazz, you got yourself one hell of a wall to get through. Um, technically gifted-wise, Tessa and Charlotte can go. Uh, probably one of my greatest memories of watching Tessa in the ring was watching her Iron Woman match with Mercedes Martinez on the Independence. Um, probably one of the greatest matches it. I've seen. I heard about um, it really good. And Charlotte and Bailey, I mean, listen, no disrespect to Sasha, no disrespect to Becky, um, but... Charlotte and Bailey to me um, are just ridiculously gifted. I like that Bailey can go in so many different directions. Charlotte, you know, to me is the quintessential athlete, um, and so. But I think Sa- Sasha Banks is the <laughs> pure wrestler. Oh yes, no. Out listen, of, don't get me wrong. Out of the four, and you know, let me tell you something. Becky had the grit. Yep. Charlotte had the athleticism. Sasha had the, I feel the, she is a natural wrestler. This is her, like, she is a, she, I feel like she's the best out of, like, I think she's the best technical out of all of them. To be oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, well, she is the best, she's the best counter wrestler in my opinion. Right. She's the best on defense. Yeah. The best on defense. Um, and I think to me, um, the only thing I look at is when I look at Bailey, I feel like she has so much fluidity. And everything that she can do. Um, Charlotte, obviously, just ridiculously gifted in so many yeah, different ways. Girl, girl. And, yeah. you know, and I, the thing is, I, I was never, like, I, I don't really, you know how I, I tune in and out. But I feel like where these girls are, where these women are, I feel like they, they kind of deserve to be. Yeah. And, and no disrespect to a lot of the great Survivor Series people. I mean, Triple H has been on some great Survivor Series teams. Yes. Undertaker has been on some great Survivor Series teams. It's tough, you know, because there were some there were some guys from like Ring of like I was this close to saying, give me Shinsuke Nakamura for my Survivor Series team, but don't give me the WWE Shinsuke Nakamura. Right? Give me Absolutely the Shinsuke. Not. Give me the Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> that I used to watch in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, I was I had Taz on my list, the old ECW Taz. You know, again, who is messing with that boy? Um, so it, it's really tough when you think about all these different companies, uh, when you think about guys you could have gotten from Ring of Honor. You know, imagine me putting a Survivor Series team together and say, Yo, let me get Homicide. Uh, let, me get, let me get Homicide. Let me get Taz. Let me get Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> like, the match is not starting. Right. <laughs> With just those three guys alone, you probably can go up against a five-person team. Um, but it's tough, you know. And there have been some great Survivor Series teams. Oh, I miss, I miss, really miss the old-school Survivor Series feel. Um, Me too. I, I saw a post on Instagram recently that said, and obviously they're never going to do it because Survivor Series, uh, many people may not know this, it's actually the second biggest WWE-branded pay-per-view 
after um, the, uh, WrestleMania, you know, and things like that. It's the longest running. Then you have Royal Rumble, obviously SummerSlam, you know, but Survivor Series, someone said on Instagram, they should get rid of it and just call it and just bring back bragging rights because that's what they've turned it into. But I understand why. I understand why because at the end of the day, they try to keep the rosters so separate. So this is your chance to kind of see these people in action because you don't really have a chance to build like the proper interbranded storylines to kind of compensate for what yeah. used to be past. I'm echoing really weird. And I do miss, I will say, Tay, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I feel like this year's Survivor Series build is a little bleh because it doesn't include NXT. I love what they did with NXT last year. I love the way they integrated it. Um, I love the way they gave NXT such shine. I loved people just showing up and doing things. And I think what's interesting, because they talked about it with Bianca on SmackDown this week when she was on commentary. Michael mm -hmm. Cole made a reference to the idea of last year you were on Team NXT. Now you're on a real team. For Survivor team. Series. Now you're on a real team. Now you're on Team Blue, right? And it's things like that that I feel could still integrate NXT. And it could really help with people still getting – even though NXT is now on television, it could really help expose people to people from NXT because I don't know about other people, but I know I get really, really big pops when I see NXT talent show up at the Royal Rumble um, and in other situations. I would have loved to have seen NXT in Survivor Series. But look, but look, but look, but look, but look, but look. Look at the standout from last year's Survivor Series, right? You had the King Fleece stood out really well. Yes. You had Bianca stand out really well. You had was Bianca stand out really well? Yeah, Riddle, I thought yeah. stood out a little well. Riddle, Riddle, right? And because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, we're still waiting for these guys who kind of and then a few people who are transferring over into the main roster uh, through that. Uh, that gimmick, the retribution gimmick. Right. We're, I, I feel like it'll be too, like, too much to introduce more people into the fold as we're still, we don't know how um, resonating these people who came back from NXT are with the fans now because there's no fans in the stands. You know what I would have liked to have seen, though? And this is very interesting because just watching NXT, I, I, I religiously watch the NXT product. Um, I would like to see a Survivor Series team of the former main roster talent, right? Give me a Finn. Give me a Finn. Give me Brazango. Give me a couple of those guys who feel like, you know what? You know, um, we had to go back to NXT and do things and kind of just come up and, and, and show up again and be like, you know what? We've been here. We've done that. We went back. You know, people almost to me. That is almost a better built-in story for a retribution-type angle where you're talking about those guys and those talent who used to be on the main roster, felt slighted, felt disrespected, went back to NXT, and felt like, I had to show you what you didn't know right. what to do with. I like that. Right. right. I think that's – you're right. I think that's what they should have did with um, retribution in general. I feel a hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree. Now I get the the Mustafa Ali integration into retribution. I feel like that wasn't the fit, right? Yes. But I do feel like there's so much more that could have been done with that angle. There's so much more that still could be done with that angle. You get what I'm saying? Time. 
They still have time before that window of opportunity kind of closes. I only, see t- I only see two people outside of Ali. I only see t- I only see two people breaking out from that group. Yeah, and they need to add more people to that group. Dominic Dominic Dijakovic, you know, or what a T Bar. Um, you know, I see him obviously getting used after this gimmick and doing other things, and obviously Mia Yim. I don't see them doing anything with Dio Madden, right? I don't see them doing anything with Shane Thorne. As incredible, listen. Make fun of Slapjack all you want. Shane Thorne as a wrestler is incredibly talented. Um, but I don't see them doing anything with Shane Thorne. They could be they could be a tag team. Yeah. Slap, Slapjack is the X Pac of, of the group. He is. No, and, but don't like, the X Pac of the group though. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not saying it in terms of like like he's the X Pac of the group though. No, Shane Thorne can go. I like his name six better. And Chris, yeah. you know, Chris in the chat, I just want to, I mm-hmm. would I would argue with you on that point. Uh, Chris said that the NXT roster depth is not able to hang with Raw and SmackDown. I would, I would, I would uh, politely, you know, debate you on that because I think, you know, you don't get to really see all of the people in NXT, right? There's a lot of talent in NXT that you just don't get to see uh, on an every day, on an every week basis, right? And so it, mm-hmm. it seems like the Raw roster or the SmackDown roster is so much bigger or has so much depth. I actually think the most deep roster is the NXT roster. I just think a lot of people don't know how much talent is actually still hidden on the WWE, on the NXT roster, either who are still at the Performance Center, who don't have storylines yet, um, and things like that. Because, again, that women's, in my opinion, the best women's division in the WWE has been the NXT women's division because you have just seen them cycle through so many great stories and use new women, right? You went from, okay, Rhea, um, uh, sorry, uh, Shayna Baszler's got it. Asuka's got to go. Let's get Ember. Let's get Shayna Baszler in there. And they made them into the top women. Oh, Shayna's got to go. Let's get Rhea Ripley in there. Oh, Rhea, Rhea's, you know, let's get Io Shirai. Now you got Dakota Kai. You yeah, got all these women. I, I feel like there's still so much stuff that needs to be done with the Biancas. And even like the women like the Lacey Evans, like the people who were kind of getting that momentum in the beginning part of the year. And then when you add more people and you still have the belt on someone like Asuka right. and like Sasha, these women are going to be lost in the fold. Like I thought Rhea Ripley would have been on the main roster by now. And I'm, I'm, I'm being completely honest. After Mania, I thought she was going to be on the main roster. On the main I, roster I, by now. But I they agree. kind of, you know, but at the end of the day, I feel like the some of the best guys from this year in NXT are on Raw and SmackDown right now, or Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have two of the biggest guys, to me, making headways in NXT in the beginning of, I mean, barring the old Undisputed Era guys. I don't know a lot of those people in that in that group. Forgive me. But all you were hearing about was Keith Lee. Since last year's Survivor Series, he was, a, he was the last um, member of the NXT team mm-hmm. and got eliminated by Roman. You get yes. And then you've been hearing about Riddle for a while, you know, so they I think they need to kind of push these people's momentums a little bit more and then kind of integrate more people in the NXT into the storylines. Now, I get that that retribution angle that you had just said. Beautiful. I could actually I could see it. And, and the thing is, I don't normally um, relate or agree with fan booking. Right. Never. Because I feel like, you know, fans can't normally book their way right. out of a <laughs> like 
going to Fort Lauderdale. Right. Okay? <laughs> I, I like that because it, it would have given more complexity, but you still have women on the main roster that need to kind of get that momentum. Now oh, that yeah. and Bailey are kind of moving away from each other, now you have Carmella back. Now you have, you know, Bianca finding her way. You still have Liv Morgan. You still have, we, we want to see what's going to happen with Lana. Am I the only one who feels bad for Billy Kay? Like, I feel bad for Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. I feel bad for them both. Let me tell you something. They should have, I feel like there's such a missed opportunity with those tag titles. I feel like there's a chance for, if you would, the Iconics, I feel, were the only real tag team on the roster since the Bellas. Right. Yeah. I think Impact, like, uh, before I give my team, Impact is doing it right. Again, and because it's impact, not so many people are understanding. There are so many teams that they have on impact, and some that they're bringing in, like you know, people. And their um, women's the C- roster is used well. They have a deep. Right. They have probably one of the deepest women's rosters, and yet I can actually tell you a lot of things about every woman on their roster and how they've been integrated into the into the shows week to week. Look at the match. Like, look at one of the matches in the tournament. The C stars, which is Tasha and um and um Kira Hogan. Kiera. Those are like like the C stars are so great. First of all, they're, they're so nice in person. They're, they're the sweetest. They're two of the sweetest people in person. So it's Tasha and Kiera. But to be able to use talent outside and and kind of be like, hey, we'll be able to use you again at some point in time basically use it for their roster. It it makes the women's tag team belt seem important on 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 um on impact. In in the E it's like, all right, these are just placeholders for people who can't win the women's title. Right shouldn't, now. Who because I'm, I have not forgotten about my Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Shayna Baszler she should be women's champion. Right program too. It's like we see everybody loves the Chinese new thing. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's go ahead, Tay. I apologize. Shayna should have been Shayna should be that monster that that's ripping because you have the, the two biggest titles held by women are both held by good guys. Right. And Shayna to me, you know, if you were gonna go the route of, you know, it's funny because I look at that tag team with Shayna and Naya, and I look at okay, if you want to build Naya as this monster that nobody can beat, right? Because think about it, whenever Asuka has beaten Naya, it's always been like disqualification yeah. or count out. It's never been like a full clean pin. No one is, I think, really, you know, when you look at like overpowering Naya Nia Jack, to me, one of the ways you could have introduced a Shayna Baszler. Is, the, is very similar to the way you introduced her for the build-up for Survivor Series last year. You could have had Nia Jax as the women's champion and run through that women's division, kind of like an Oscar. Nobody can stop Nia Jax. Who's going to stop? I've beaten everybody. And almost Kevin Owens-like when he came out to face John Cena, have right. a Shayna Baszler come out and put Nia on her ass, right? And be the woman that's like, I can take you down. Now they're right. in a buddy comedy. Right, right, right. It's all right. Don't get me wrong, but I'm in a team where they. I feel like you know you have kind of like the Mandy Rose and the Mm -hmm. the name uh, Dana Brooke. Kind of. Then you have now Liv Morgan and uh, Ruby Riot. Yeah, the Riot Squad back. Um, there's. I feel like the women's tag team titles. I feel like 
they need to, someone needs to have a long, meaningful run with them. I feel like Bailey and Sasha, they had the first title. You know, it was pretty cool. The mm-hmm. Iconics, I feel like, you know, there's some, you know, I was talking about it with Janelle yesterday. You know, she feels, she's one of those people who feel like the Iconics needed to break up. And I feel like they weren't ready yet. I feel right. like there wasn't yeah. enough done. And I think that everyone loves Peyton Royce and I get it. And I like Peyton Royce too. I think he's dope. But do not sleep on Billy Kay. Right. She right. is great. She has great timing. She has a great brand. I feel like she can go far. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I feel like people, like I said, they love the shiny new thing. They always felt like one person was the Shawn Michaels and one person mm-hmm. was the Marty Janetti. Forgetting that when the Rockers were a tag team, Shawn Michaels was not the star. Right. And Marty was great. Listen, Marty couldn't get out of his own way, but Marty was great. Marty was the, when the Rockers were together in the eighties. Marty was the star, and even when they broke up, like I said, Marty was great on his he own. And, get a yeah. tie, he was the first one I think to get a singles title out of the two of them too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. don't sleep on the new Rockers either, because Marty and Al, the guy who eventually became Al Snow, Al, yeah, Lee know, Garrett or something like that. Leaf yeah, something. Leaf, Leaf something. Yeah, Leaf Cassidy. Leave Cassidy. Like you know, you know, they actually did a really good job. And again, people will tell you, had Marty Janetti been able to get out of his own way, Marty Janetti could have been a really big right. star in the WWE. Say, yeah, people always say, especially like y'all's generation, like the younger kids, that they'd be like, Oh well, you know, he's the Janetti. I'm like, don't when, when you go back to old rockers, right? Janetti was the leader, Sean was no breakout star until he put hit that he put Marty Janetti's head through the shower glass to through the um barbershop window. Yeah, Marty Janetti put Shawn Michaels over. Yeah, and, she, and Sherry, <laughs> Sherry, Sherry put Sherry, Shawn Michaels over. Sherry took him to the next level. Right. Yes. So had Sean had Sean had help. Sean had a lot of help. It oh yeah, real. Sean had the talent, but yeah. it was just the direction. It was the direction that they went in that time. Marty yeah. Janetti was definitely way more popular at the time than Sean. Gotcha. Period. And in the ring, many so. people would say athletically a little bit more talented than Sean. Because he was better on the mic in, in, in the late 80s, early 90s. Shawn Michaels was kind of the secondary person. It's just where the, the, the chips fall. I will say this to touch on something that Tay said. I liked what Sasha and Bailey did with the tag titles. One of the greatest things about the women's tag titles was when it was first introduced was that it could be defended on all three brands. And yeah, Sasha and Bailey were really the only team to take advantage of going to NXT and actually defending that, that championship. And I really like the fact that that can be done. And I think that could be done very, very well to help talent from NXT, help talent on the main roster, really have keep that title fresh. I was not a fan of the Iconics breaking up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, there's, in my opinion, outside of the tag team division in the WWE, the women's division is, in my opinion, one of the most underutilized and under not under-resourced. They have a bevy of resources, but it is underutilized um, in the WWE. To me, that's the, the, the division besides the tag team division um, that just doesn't get, the in my, in my view, the right usage. Right. right, but the so, thing I don't think it's the right usage. I think it's the fact that it's the time and place. When you have so many talented women on a roster, like even before during the Divas era, people crap all over the Divas era. Those girls were just working with what they were given. You get what I'm saying? And I and I hate that it, it was a negative connotation with it. But you, ha- there's only one belt per brand. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to have a chance to be a champion. 
Kurt Hennig should have been a champion, but it, it was the wrong time. You know, he, he came up during Corbin's time, Macho's time. You get what I'm saying? And now, like, you have people like like the Lana's. Lana was was really popular at one time. She could have t- had a women's championship run and been successful, being that her popularity was, was off the chain. Rusev Day, Lana Day, that if they if he would have had the, the title and she would have had the title, it would have been successful at that time. Right. right. I agree. So and let Natalia me... is still there. Do not sleep on Natalia. Yeah, Natalia. That Natalia is an episode in itself because I feel like she's very she's probably the most underrated women's wrestler. Of all time. That, of all time. Like of the all time. most underrated women wrestler of all, of all time. time. Um, but she's the last uh, of Mohicans. Yeah. Yeah. So, but here's my Survivor Series team, and I'm gonna start with the women, right? Mm-hmm. I have to have Charlotte Flair, of course. Um every that's all of us in agreement. You have to have Charlotte Flair. Um I'm gonna um grab Awesome Kong as well. Um you need the power and the strengths on that team. You definitely do. Um, Tessa as well. Uh, again, her and Charlotte, I think the dynamic, I know, you know, <laughs> Tessa is great in the ring. Um, Tessa is great in the ring. Um, someone that's going to surprise you, I'm going to add um, China as well. Oh, man, honorable I'm, mention. I'm I'm going to add China to, to it as well because I uh, – Listen, I'm not saying China was the best in the ring. China wasn't the best in the ring. But for what she did and how she was able to go with both men and women, China China was dope. She, she doesn't get enough. Technical, she didn't have to be right. a technical superstar. She just right. had to go in there. She, she rep for the tall, big yeah. women. <laughs> yeah. You was about to say something. <laughs> but, um, and I'm going to add somebody who's, 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 Five years in, but she's gonna have a major impact still. I'm gonna add Thunder Rosa. Um, Thunder Rosa gives me uh, Thunder Rosa is essentially AEW Sasha Banks, AEW's version of Sasha Banks. If we had if we had to compare, both very um, technically sound in the ring, um, very out there characters. I think she would work with that team. Um, It'll just be a whole bunch of running around. She's like a woman. She could, I thought she could have been like a woman, Ray Mysterio, but she, she's more of a heel right now. So we'll see. But um, for the men, on my men's team, um, I'm going to start off with the tag team. Got to have Legion of Doom as my, uh, on my, uh, on my Survivor Series team list. If not. Trey, well, question. Yo. LOD or Road Warriors? Oh no, Road Warriors, not Road Warriors. Okay, we're going we're going old school yeah. Legion of Doom here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going where they would go to territories and people would think like they really didn't like them. And like where they would like 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 where they would main event like like house shows and stuff. And they would kill people. Passion. They would kill people and then just high five. Be like, hey, you did a good job getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> um again, the the greatest survivor series comp- series competitor of all time, Randy Orton, of course. Um, I'm gonna go with my one of my favorites of New Japan ever, uh, Kazuchika Okada. Um, he adds a lot to that team. Okay, going with Okada. Yeah. Um, 
I was thinking of Naito as well, and uh, but and Tanahashi, but I think Kazusha, uh, I think Okada would be good in that spot, and we good, <laughs> and AJ Styles would be my fifth. Um, just rounding out just the athleticism and 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 just the the style clashing, no pun intended, between everybody's team. Um, again, honorable mention, of course, The Undertaker, of course, because that's his pay-per-view. Like you said, Kurt Angle. Um, so many notable debuts yeah. happened on Survivor right. Series. Though. Right. Stone, Stone Cold would be an honorable was mention, young, too. Was Young next big thing Brock ever on a Survivor Series team? Hmm. Because mm. imagine how destructive that boy would have been on a Survivor Series team. Oh, that's a good uh, question. He would be like he would have been what Braun Strowman is in Survivor Series at that time. It'd been F five and people left and right. Right. Like there would be no reason to have more people on the Survivor Series team. No, and, and imagine like Brock's like the last member of that team and it's it yeah, Brock. He was. Oh no, this was two thousand and three. Mm. I don't yeah. think he was next big thing anymore. I think he's already big thing. Mm. Right. So, he was team angle versus team Lesnar. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Vince hated that nickname. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, Paul Heyman has a has a um, an interview about it about how um, Vince like, doesn't you know, like Vince, the nickname. This kid's gonna be the next big thing. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> awful. That, that nickname sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but and um, what it ended up being? that's some good. Sh- and that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, for this week's episode of the Your Sports Show. For more Your Sports Show material, go to YourSportsShow.com or look for us on social media at Your Sports Show on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned next week for our episode, episode 41, where we'll have Miss Ashley Baker. She's a multimedia journalist and a producer of About Nothing But Sports podcast, so we cannot wait to speak to her. So, for BK Matt, for Queen Tay, for the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado, it is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace.